it is a pleasure to be here, and you have to excuse me. It's a little uncomfortable having a mic on, so I usually just uh, use my loud voice and, and uh, try to project. So anyway, um, I was asked a few months ago to come and share with you guys, and, and uh, it was just an obvious yes. I love coming back here. I love seeing new faces. I love looking at the new students, and, and uh, there's a few of you that uh, need to leave here. You've been here too long, Elliot. Sorry. <laughs> So there's a few of you. I haven't been here in seven years, and he's still here. <laughs> so, anyway, so maybe. Yeah. Well, maybe he's here for the same reason for me. Is it's Tuesday lunch day? I don't. I don't know. But anyway, so that's a big part of it. I know when they asked me to do chapel, I said, Yeah, any day as long as it's a Tuesday, right? So that's why we're here. And so I do love being here. This is a special place. Uh, very special people. Uh, very. Um, the the brothers and sisters in the Lord that I have here are very near and dear to my heart, and I still call upon them, uh, sometimes for uh, hunting stories and other times when uh, need help, right? And so uh, I'm not going to preach this morning in terms of is asked to share, just kind of testimony from the Word. Um, so as I share in the Word, even if it gets a little preachy, it might, um, if it does, just hear even the, even the word, even the words that we go into in, in God's word is really just a part of my testimony of what I want to share with you. All right. And so um, just a little bit background first, uh, 96, when I was 21 years old, um, I moved to Montana from Washington State and wanted to make a few changes in my life and really uh, said I was going to move to Montana since I was in middle school. Right? Me and a, a bunch of my buddies all said, we're all going to move to Montana right? and go to the mountains, even though I lived in the mountains in Washington. But we want to come here for the wilderness experience of it. And, and I moved here in 96 when I was kind of done with school, um, not finished, but done with school at 21. And I moved to Montana and did some taxidermy for a few years and did some concrete for, you, for a few years and met my wife, Greta, who's back here, who's a native of Whitehall and got married and and now I have four children that are here. Um, some were just infants when I was in Bible college, and, and uh, some are just coming out of that infant stage now. So 97 or 8, started working with youth group in Whitehall. And I uh, love Whitehall, little town of about 1,500 people if you've been there if, or if you haven't. And uh, it's the little blink on the way to Butte. So as you get ready to go over the hill. Um, started working with youth. Yeah, really came to a, David Rogers, our pastor before in Whitehall, uh, encouraged me to take some classes with him over here. Came and took Old Testament with Steve and took Romans, and uh, that was just a good, good grab. I had no idea NBC was here, right? I had, and I really had no idea there was such a, an amazing wealth of biblical teaching in Montana and in Bozeman, Montana. So I was blessed to come here and was here from 2000 and in full time when I quit concrete and uh, told my wife we're going to sell the house and go to Bible college and uh, move into with our, my mother-in-law and uh, for three years going to school and did all that and it was a wonderful time here uh, but that was from five through seven is when we were here and so it's already been seven years since I've been out of college which seems kind of crazy when I think about that but um, 
one year after being here in Bible college, after really just having some survey classes and, you know, an intro type classes, then our pastor went back to college went to get his master's. And so I found myself in the pastorate after a few classes and knowing nothing. So very gracious congregation uh, that I've been with in Whitehall, been in the same church now since uh, 96. And so uh, had some wonderful benefits of not having to build those relationships of new people when you come into the pastor and all that, just knew everyone, been there. We had been there in the church as long as any family there. And so kind of a, uh, it's a rural church in the sense of just because Whitehall is rural in and of itself. It's not a country church. Maybe some of you guys might know William Grinder or those out at Cardwell Community Church, if some of you guys have ministered or been out there, if you shared or whatnot. And uh, different dynamic, uh, our dynamic is it's at the edge of town. It's uh, a wonderful mix of all different sorts of people from those that are into ranching and, and uh, lots of miners and lots of those that just work in the school system and some that travel all the way back and forth to Prudhoe Bay every couple weeks, you know, just to work. And we have a, a vast diversity of people there, and we wouldn't want it any other way. We thank God for every person that's there and just how he has put our little diverse church together. Um, but it's also uh, very real, and it's filled with people. So life is very difficult sometimes in ministry. As we've been experiencing these last uh, few months, six months, is, last six months have probably been the toughest uh, in our eight years so far. And so, anyway, enough of that. We're going to jump into, and you're going to hear a little bit of maybe some of that difficulty that we've been experiencing in some of the scriptures we go to. And my hope and desire is, is that in these next few minutes, this is going to be really tough at, like, what do I got, 15 minutes? So this is going to be tough, okay? But anyway, uh, try and hear a little bit of what I want to share is, is really, what I want to share is my prayer for you guys as, as students is I want God to prepare you while you're here. I want him to fashion and form your hearts and souls to be ready to go out into a different phase of the battle, into a, a life in, in the formation of the kingdom of God, however he calls you and draws you, wherever your niche is, wherever he is placing you or is calling you to, that you'll be ready and fully equipped for that ministry, for life in the body of Christ. Because here, it's different. And some of you, I don't know you, and so you probably, many of you face many difficulties even now. But when I was here, uh, my wife, uh, Greta, referred to this is my bubble world. Okay, this is my bubble life. I would drive my little 60 miles into Bozeman and just be surrounded by Christian brothers and sisters who love the Lord and are soaking up the word and you're singing praises and just worshiping and life just seems to be perfect, right? And then you go into the world. And so I'd come back and full of excitement and joy and, oh yeah, we're in Whitehall and life has problems and life is real and there's a lot of pain and a lot of suffering in people's lives. And so this bubble time will evaporate really quick. It'll be popped very soon, right? And, and then you are going to be in it. And, and there, if you, in your time here, I want you, my prayer is that you will push in, press into the Word of God, soak your teachers and professors for all their worth, all of the just 
glean all that you can from them. It's fun. The, the, the ultimate frisbee in the snow in the parking lot is fun, right? But the really good times are the hard hours in the library wrestling over passages of Scripture that will be your foundation for life, that will carry you through. Form, press into understanding who God is. You need to know the sovereignty of God. You need to know that His plan and purposes are filled with suffering and pain. And that's okay. It's good. Because even whether you're in the pastorate or not, a few of you will be, and most of you will not be, but you'll be in whatever your niche is. I'm sure that the teachers have already told you here, you're going away as the college graduate, the Bible college person, and people are going to look to you differently. That's true. Whether you're in the mission field to an unreached tribe, or whether you're teaching school, or whether you're staying at home, whether you're just involved in a Bible study or maybe you're leading a Bible study or teaching children's church or where, whatever you're doing, maybe you're just cleaning the church. What, when you're out in the body somewhere, people will view you differently. They will look to you for answers. They'll look to you for a foundation, a, steady, a steadiness to go, you, you know the word better than I do. You've studied. You've been taught. Okay, they're going to look at you that way. And so you're in a different position. And uh, whether you like it or not, right, and whether you always want that or not, that's going to be who you are. And my prayer is really that your faith would develop like that of Moses. As I love the account of Moses in Hebrews chapter 11 when it says, By faith Moses choosing uh, rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. I love that because, as I'm going to maybe get to in a few moments, one of the greatest uh, struggles now, I think, in the church in America is deception, is the attacks that come through deception. Um, I'll just jump to a little bit to now. Uh, this last couple of weeks, I've been listening to some sermons by Art Azurdia. Many of you guys might know him as he was here a few years ago. And uh, one of my favorite pastors I love to listen to is, is Azurdia. And uh, I was listening to Revelation 13 and 14, his sermons there, and he was describing the beast that comes out of the earth there. And he was describing the deceptiveness of that beast because it comes as it has horns like a lamb. I mean, it comes in this nice, gentle way that seems, uh, seems good. And he deceives many, deceives the world. And, and with that, he was saying, as he was preaching, when you're in Syria or when you're in Nigeria or in other places, uh, that's easy to know the enemy. It's easy to know what's coming at you because they hate you and they want to kill you. right? They want to see you out of there. That's easy to face in some respects, very difficult in others. But here, it's all about deception. And I'll get to that more in a few moments. But one of the verses, I just want to share, one of the verses that became very near and dear to my heart as I was here is in the book of Colossians. So turn to Colossians 1, if you would. Uh, Colossians 1. 
And the funny thing is, is I focused on two verses when I was here in my homiletics classes with Ryan, is really when these verses became near and dear to me, is Colossians 1, 28 and 29, but I had no idea of the context of earlier verses. I didn't pay attention to them much. I just said, oh, that's great. That's really what I want to be about. This defines who, why I'm here at Bible college and what I want to go do and how I want to do it. And, and I love those passages. And then it wasn't until in just a few months ago, half a year ago, I read really the verses before that and said, huh, all right, now I understand this a little more. And so let's read 28 and 29 first. It says, him we preach. Warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. All right, that was, I was loving those verses when I was here, and I still do. Because I wanted to see people grow in their love and appreciation and honoring of Jesus Christ. I want to see people cherish him and just follow him. And, and that's why I came. And, 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 and it talks about them being presented perfect in Christ Jesus. And not only that, but it's, there's this striving that's there. There's this energy. There's this strength that's there. It's like Paul is saying, I'm going to give it everything I got. But it's Jesus Christ's strength that's going to do it through me. It's not my own strength. It has to be Jesus' strength. And so I fell in love with those verses, and I said, yes, that is God. That's how I want it to be. I want to see people grow. And, and just cherish, and you need to do it, because I know that I'm weak. Almost every day, I say, God, why in the world don't you have somebody better doing this? I have no idea why you've called me to work with your people and be involved in the ministry and study your word to preach it. I, I have no idea what I'm doing not able to do this. I'm not a leader, right? I say that to the Lord. You're great <laughs> because I'm nothing, right? And, uh, and then the more years go by and you really know that because <laughs> so, then people begin to tell you that. So, but um, anyway, it starts off, everybody's saying, good sermon. Then you look back and those are not good sermons. Let me tell you, you were lying. <laughs> so anyway, um, and then later on, in ministry, and most recently, I began to um, go through difficulties and still experiencing them, still in the midst of them. And uh, some are, things are better and some are not. And I looked up to verse 24 because I remember, I remembered actually hearing this verse preached. can't remember who or where or what and context and I said that, that's a beautiful verse and I was looking it up I was like where is that verse you know I was like got to get on my computer and find that verse and oh it's right there next to the ones that I love huh that's didn't read them earlier but verse 24 says now I re, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body which is the church and I look at that and I say God showed Paul what it was like to suffer and to suffer for the 
for the body of Christ, for the glory of God, for God's honor and God's purposes in his suffering. But it is for the church. His love and devotion and compassion was for the body, for the bride. And so as he went through his sufferings, he understood, hey, I'm doing this as if there are those that still would crucify Christ, as if they would still want to punish and hurt and kill and, and revile and blaspheme, as, as if Paul is saying, I am a representative, I'm Christ now in the flesh, and I'm, I'm filling up that now, what will be given to him. But I'm doing it for the sake of his body, which is the church. And, and you see, whether it be in Philippians chapter 1 or in Peter, you see all oh, throughout the word, suffering and pain. And it's good. God has a plan and a design, and he's going to test. He's going to test how much you love him. Go to First John and read about if we love God, we'll love his people, right? Those don't go without, they cannot be separated. He's going to test in your lives how much you love him by how much you love his people. That, that will be a true test. Because I see, whether it be in Matthew 24 or in, or in Timothy, where Christ or Paul is warning us that in these days, the love of many will grow cold. That people will be led away by all kinds of false teachers and be deceived. Many will be deceived and fall away. But the love of many will grow cold, and, and I really don't like that. But I see that as being very, very true. There's a very shallow love that many have for one another. When times get hard, see you later. There's the door. I'm going to get angry and bitter and resentful. And yeah, we're brothers, but I'm not going to hang out with you anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to go hang out on the side of the church with my friends on, over there. And it's, sometimes it's easy when it, excuse me, when it comes at you because it's just you. But when the body hurts you by hurting your family, it becomes harder. And you have a tendency, do I resent that? Am I going to lash out against that? Or am I going to forgive them and love them even though they did something Hurtful against my children and my wife. Am I going to... Matthew 18 is a revolutionary passage for my life. You want to know how to forgive? You have to know how to forgive and love people when they're rotten. But we're rotten too. We're sinners, and I hate sin, and I can't wait for Christ to return. But we have a duty, and that's to see people love Christ. And um, Matthew 5 is huge, along with Matthew 18. 
Matthew 5, when Jesus sermon on the mount, you guys know it. Jesus is saying, when you come to the altar, what happens when you come to the altar? You realize something. Somebody's got something against you. He says, leave it there. Go and make it right. Then come back. What I would encourage you guys, and, and I, I'm kind of missing on a lot of stuff, and I'm almost, I have to be done almost a little bit so we're not late for food. But um, Jesus says, leave it there at the altar and go and make it right. And what I would encourage you guys to do is you have to walk, you have to walk your life out like Paul did, where Paul said so many times, I, I have a clear conscience before God and man. Right? I have a clear conscience. You have to live your life in such a way that you know how to forgive when somebody hurts you. Because if you come and you're pretending to worship and you're going through the motions of church and you're, you're singing and you're putting your offering in the plate and you're listening to the sermons and you're doing all the worship stuff and you're not right with people, it doesn't go any higher than the floor. Right? And... and we have to understand that I had a plan to go to a whole bunch of different verses. I needed it about an hour and a half, Scott, is what I needed. But uh, <laughs> that's all right. I wanted to go to Psalm 86 and Psalm 90 and some other bunch of wonderful places. But let's see if I can sum some of this stuff up. You, you, one of the, let me just jump and then we'll come back. One of the Psalm 90, verse 14 We want to be, what I want to encourage you guys in your lives is you're designing, you're trying to understand how do I glorify God? How do I love his people? How do I serve Christ in the way that he wants me to? You need to understand love and forgiveness and grace. But one of the terms in Psalm 90 verse 14 is satisfy me early with your mercy, with your loving kindness, with your covenantal love, your faithful love. Satisfy me with that. So one of my encouragements is, is in, as you go out in ministry, you need to make first, first and foremost, this is where I wanted to start really, but you need to make sure that you are looking to Christ first and foremost to be satisfied by Him in His love, in His mercy, in His, His faithfulness to us, His covenantal love. You need to be satisfied in that first and foremost before you can ever minister to others or your family or your children. You need to be satisfied in Him. Then the rest can happen. Sometimes ministry, can, we can be so caught up into the study or the delivery or the, the counseling or uh, just, the, just the general ministry that we can sometimes lose track or lose sight of my first place with God, right? And, and need, to, need to fashion that every day. The satisfy me is not this thing, oh, I accomplished that at Bible college and I'm good. I'm satisfied in Christ and I'm going out. It's a... That's a daily thing. That's an hourly thing. Lord, satisfy me with your mercy and your love before I can go and 
be of any good, any eternal good to anyone else. I need to be satisfied in you. And then there's that glory. Psalm 86 is very special to me. And uh, one of the parts is it, it teaches, unite my heart to fear your name. Uh, there, there's this learning to walk in God's ways. And there's this, great, I want to glorify your name forever. The psalmist is speaking about. And in that, what I wanted to say, to start off with, is saying, if that's what we're about, we throw that term around a lot. I want to glorify God. I want to glorify God in all that I do. 1 Corinthians 10.31, I want to glorify God. Whether I eat or sleep or drink or whatever, I want to glorify God. But how? And the way I want to say that is we do that, is we do that, Jesus says in John 17, we do that by being unified with each other. He says, God, Father, you know, unite them is to one as we are one. As Jesus and the Father are one, so we are to be one. And so we can glorify God as we give all of our effort and our strength and our striving in relationship in the body of Christ together, and that's hard a lot of times. As we do that, we strive for unity of purpose and around the truth, unity in the truth, unity in love. As we strive for those things and work and labor with Christ's strength flowing through us, as we do those things, we bring glory and honor to God. And we represent Jesus Christ to a lost and a dying world. All right, so let me see if I can wrap all that up. That's a bunch of jumbled thoughts because it's that, even though that is kind of a little bit sermonish, hear that as a testimony of our experiences. We wouldn't want it any other way. It's full of thankfulness and joy and wonderful times. I mean, incredible times. And so be a praising, worshiping, thankful person as well. Be diligent to praise God and worship God whenever you see him working. Everywhere you see him working. At the hand of God, as, as the one, we were last Sunday, we were at the one leper that was healed that came back out of the 10. The rest didn't come back to worship, right? That one leper came back and Jesus was appalled that there was only one that came back to glorify and honor and praise God. We need to be like that. We need to be. And, and, and this is how we get refreshed a lot of times too is we say, God, is, uh, we have a, a friend in Salt Lake right now, a church brother and a family, and he's undergoing cancer surgery in one hour. And I think about them. And I say, God, just bring them through. As we're praying all day long for Carl and April, and we thank God because there's times in their lives where we, we see them grow, and we see them grasp onto the scriptures, and we see people begin to lead Bible studies, and we see people grow and, and transform. Their lives are changed, and they look, and, they, and uh, Carl, the guy that's going into surgery a little bit ago, and I 
I, I gave him a book one time. I just remember giving him a book on uh, doctrines of grace. And, and I just said, Carl, it's time to learn some good theology. And here. And he just came back, just mind blown apart, you know, and you just, and he just poured over every page. And he just, I never knew this kind of stuff before. And I'm like, <laughs> praise God, you know, and, and you see those, that kind of stuff. You see people push through difficult marriages, even mixed with adultery and forgiveness comes and they stick it out. And you say, God, thank you. That is humanly impossible. And you're doing that in them. And praise be to you because they're putting you first. And you see people go to prison and come out still believing in Jesus Christ. And you see people lose loved ones and and you see just beautiful, beautiful things all the time. We need to be good and uh, ready to say, God, thank you. That is you at work everywhere. You're bringing them through. And even this trial is from you. Even this very difficult time that they're going through is from you because I know that you're doing something in them and you are changing me forever. And those are all things worthy of praise. So I know that's a bunch of jumbled mess. I hope it made a little bit of sense. I hope you can remember one nugget there of a scripture or a truth that will help you prepare to go out. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for your, just your faithful love. Father, I thank you for every one of these students here and, and all of the staff as well. They've been such a blessing to my life. And Father, these students are an answer to prayer. Many, many have cried out that you would send workers into the harvest, that you would build them up and prepare them and send them out. And Father, you're doing that right here today. You're doing that for your namesake. You're doing that for the sake of the body of Christ, which we love so dearly. Father, prepare them well. Father, establish their hearts and their souls and their minds upon the word of God that they will know that it is more important than their, the food we're about to go eat. And Father, we ask you to bless that too. Father, we know that your word is our very life. So, Father, I ask that you would ingrain your truth into these young people. May it carry them steadfastly for through all the years that you grant them. Father, I ask that they would just trust you, trust you at, at every turn. They would not give way to lies and deception, but they would stand firm. Father, we pray that, most importantly, that everyone here would be an overcomer, would find you rewarding them in the last day, saying, enter into my rest. By faith you have overcome.
Father, I pray that every one of us here would be your precious sheep, that you know our name and call us by name. And Father, I just thank you for just an opportunity for these moments. And Father, I know that some of them here right now are probably going through many struggles, even in Bible college. And ask that you'd see them and walk them through every, every valley. And Father, grant them great joy in you, great satisfaction in you. And Father, I ask that they would uh, go out worshiping and praising you for all of your great works for which you are worthy to be honored. I ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.